0: Welcome to Can You Not? A show about how two women consume the world and vice versa.
1: I'm Brodie. And I'm Kamna. And this week we're lucky enough to be talking to Alex Neal about all things fan fiction.
0: It's going to be a real cool time. Um, Alex is a writer and a culture critic and um, we're really excited to be talking to her about the ways that fans um, kind of force their favourite cultural products to represent them. Um, something that we are obvi very passionate about.
1: Also, before we get into our chat with Alex, um, a quick reminder that we've got a live show coming up in a few weeks at the Wheeler Centre in Melbourne. It's on June, ter- June 13th um, and tickets are going really fast. So make sure you book one. It's free, but you just got to book your seat.
0: Mm-hmm. We're going to be interviewing uh, Megan Tan from the Millennial podcast. Um, who's coming out to Australia? Kamna's going to be on a panel with her at the uh, Audiocraft Conference in Sydney, if you're in Sydney. Um,
1: and if you're in neither of those places, you can just wait and listen to the episode. Um, and also, an announcement to make the live show will also be our season one finale. So, Yay. get sure ready for there. a
0: cliffhanger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cliffhanger like Riverdale. This is where Can You Not lost its innocence. <laughs> Alex Neil is joining us on today's podcast. Thank you for coming, Alex.
2: It's great to be here.
0: Can you tell our listeners what you do and who you are?
2: Um, that's why it's such a hard question. Yeah. Um so I generally I guess I'm a writer and I'm trying to start calling myself a critic, which is a hard thing to do. But Oh my god, um, it's so hard. It's a really hard thing to do. I only I- started doing it after someone did it to me. Yes. Do yeah. you
1: self self label critic?
0: I do now Ooh. and I never would have yeah. If someone didn't do it, and it was Jessica Hopper, and then she said, "I said I never would have done this if you hadn't done it." She was like, "I know that's why I did it."
2: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I have had friends who've sort of started to do it to me as well. So I write about comedy and TV, um, and I also work at the ABC. That's sort of my day job. Yeah. Um, on a youth regional youth program which is the best
0: yeah yeah and the reason we wanted to get you in to talk about fan fiction specifically for this episode was because of this really great article you wrote for junkie maybe like five months ago like yeah the end of last year
2: yeah end of last year
0: yeah and it was about it was in the wake of in the wake of um, fantastic <laughs> beats Beasts and where to find them the film adaptation um and the title kind of like is your hypothesis for this article, which is that the film betrays queer narratives and Harry Potter fans deserve better. For people who haven't read it, can you kind of give a bit of a overview of what the argument you were making there was?
2: Yes. And so this was... It sort of came out of, as a lot of things I tend to write, um, me... A badly articulating things to people at parties, and then uh-huh. going, maybe I should try and. Isn't that actually... how every great article is? And then started. going home and being like, why didn't I have these facts to whip yeah, out? I just, yeah, I'm just going to hyperlink them, write them something, and then I can send it and it'll be better. Yeah. Um, but so I have a long term Harry Potter fan. I grew up with Harry Potter, as so many people my age did, and um, got really into fan fiction during that period and have been in various ways involved in the sort of broader Harry Potter world, I guess. Mm-hmm. And when Fantastic Beasts came out, so for people who don't know what Fantastic Beasts is about, it's basically like a sort of a prequel. yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's essentially, and they're going to make who, God knows how many movies, mm. too many movies. yeah. Um, and it's sort of about Grindywald loosely, who was like the last great wizard before Voldemort. Mm-hmm. And... Um, he was in love with Dumbledore, like him and Dumbledore are in love. And as far as I had, I'd always assumed that that was just basically canon and no one was ever going to come yeah. for that part of the, ca- yeah. yeah, like, unspoken canon. And the films are, they've basically said that Grinny won't be gay and anything between him and Dumbledore will be unrequited if it is even there. And then right. the Fantastic Beasts film, he's kind of port- portrayed as this really strange predatory yeah. character who kind of grooms this young boy to for his own ends and mm. it's, it's yeah. very weird and creepy and I think sort of it, it's a weird thing in it has so Fantastic Beasts and Cursed Child have sort of resurrected yeah. Harry Potter, Potter. Um, mm-hmm. and Fantastic Beasts was sort of a really big... I, it it was, was almost like the first opportunity for
0: J.K. Rowling, who has a tendency to be very revisionist in yeah. the in what her characters were, like saying that Dumbledore was gay after the books had ended, never writing that in and all this kind of stuff where the representation was never explicit. Yeah. Fans kind of read between the lines and then she either confirms or denies things. And then this felt like kind of an opportunity for, for them to actually kind of maybe not right wrongs, but kind of
2: yeah. make
0: the make the films and the canon a little more inclusive
2: and she does have and I mean she has this habit of revision like making stuff happen that was never really overtly said but also in a way that sort of denies fans the power that they have over yeah. her text she's always mm. kind of like pulling it back in and saying oh it's not yours mm. and this felt like a slap in the face to me because yeah. I think Harry Potter fan fiction was such a, it was sort of I think one of the first big waves of fan fiction mm. yeah. and if you look at fan theory that's how I
1: kind of like I'm not I think another reason we did this episode because I was like, can we please do an episode Mm. on fan fiction? Because I always feel like I kind and like have dabbled in like reading things online but but never as immersively as um, you like through reading your piece. You obviously have through the Harry Potter world and Brody has through like 1D fan fiction Mm -hmm. and there's so many things that interest me about it but particularly this concept of um, fans who feel – like they have a real connection um with something that they really love like a piece of fiction or a piece of like a, a band or some sort of pop culture symbol um but then feel there's some gap of representation and using mm. fan fiction as a tool to yeah to mm. feel included but also feel cared about by something they care a lot about
2: yeah and it was and um I sort of realised that for me Harry Potter fan fiction was sort of like my first exposure to queer narratives and that was something that I didn't occur to me at the time. It didn't mm. occur to me for a really, really long time afterwards mm. but it was like I was reading all this... Like I read a lot of fan fiction and most of it is very gay. Yeah, yeah. And um, I sort of realised how... And I, like, I don't identify as queer but obviously I had a lot of friends growing up who were and were very closeted because I grew up in a regional town and you yeah. think that has obviously has such a huge power for mm-hmm. people to be able to write themselves into this text and then to kind of go and take that away from them mm. in such a big way feels it just feels so it's problematic a problematic betrayal yeah. yeah and she just gets away with it that's what bothers me so much yeah. about J.K. Rowling is people will forgive her anything and i'm like no like she like if she stood up and was like this is going to be six movies about this like tragic queer love story Mm. they could do it like she could make that happen and she's not using that the power she has Mm. for good I don't think yeah Um,
1: this is very like timely and on the flip side of this sort of um using fan fiction as a way to seek representation and then when the person who created the original piece um, sort of tries to involve themselves in the narrative of fan fiction. Um, I was recently a re- listening to this episode of a podcast called Nancy. Have you heard of it? Mm-hmm. Um, it's this queer podcast coming out of New York um, where two, so there's two hosts but basically each episode they delve into different parts of sort of queer identity and they recently did an episode on Harry Potter. Um, you should definitely listen yeah. to it but it's about – um the f- sort of a few different perspectives of some queer people who always saw dumbledore as some as a queer character and saw the love story between dumbledore and grindelwald but um then other queer people who are like huge harry potter fans and Always felt that they weren't represented in the narrative and didn't seek that representation through Dumbledore. And actually, when J.K. Rowling kind of like, as a throwaway line saying, said in in a Twitter thing or something, yeah, it was like, "Oh, it. yeah, of mm. course, Dumbledore's gay." They were just like, "No, fuck you! Like, you never represented us openly, mm. and now you're choosing to." We like, had to like
0: force it for ourselves. Yeah, and, yeah. like
1: you, you can't go back and represent us in a way that you have control when we've kind of used fan fiction as a a way to take that away um, from you. And like this, there was this Twitter thread and I can't remember who tweeted it. We can put a link to it in Mm. our podcast um, description. But it was (coughs) basically about um, how... J.K. Rowling does this, and it was a commentary on how lots of different authors or creators do this retrospectively. But basically, we're like, "Oh, I know what's next." Luna Lovegood's going to end up being trans because, of course, she was a trans character crying in the bathroom the whole time. Like, and kind of, it was like a queer person writing about the fact that, like, um, the way in which that's done can often demean um, sort of identities that weren't ever represented. Mm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: One of the things that I'm really interested um, in – well, not interested in, but, like, my exposure to fan fiction has only ever been through One Direction. And I was super – resist. like, I was trying to think before we recorded this, I was trying to think, like, when I first started, like, kind of seeking out 1D fan fiction was. And I remember being really um, resistant to it for a long time because there was this um, – I just had this idea that these were real people – living real lives and the idea of fictionalizing real people's lives was very different to the act of taking um you know fictional the fiction and fan fiction like these fictional characters and and just kind of like reconfiguring their Mm. narratives um and i i don't know i thought i felt it was kind of maybe like an ethical thing but then i just read a really good one and i was like oh wait these kind of are characters, like, like you know, the Harry Styles character, in f- that exists in fan fiction, is not a real person. He's this—he's like a manic pixie dream boy of like, you know, having intense feelings and like these bright green eyes and all of these things that, you know, the real Harry Styles has in chunks. But, but I had to kind of like talk myself around to seeing. The real people as characters before I could actually kind of or indulge seeing, in
1: this, or it, seeing the way in which sort of something that is real, like One mm. Direction, can also be the inspiration for something that's not real, yeah. but still sort of the like the basis of mm. a really cool narrative or thing. Yeah, yeah. totally.
0: Um, and there was there's this new book that's coming out called Grace and the Fever that is basically like a fictionalized take on the One Direction fan experience. And I was listening to it on um. Uh, on Call Your Girlfriend, a couple of weeks ago, they did an episode where Gina Delvac, the producer, interviewed the author of this book, who was basically saying like, yeah, this is kind of about One Direction. I immersed myself in this fan community for years. Um, and the main character like writes and reads a lot of fan fiction and is kind of like famous in the fandom for doing that um and the author zan romanoff said on the podcast she was like yeah there's like this misconception of fangirls that they're going home and like dreaming about having a boyfriend who's in this band what they're actually doing is essentially writing erotica for one another and like sharing that online i guess the (laughs) idea that it's
1: not i don't know there's like a a shame or like this kind Mm. of like um the way, like, people kind of look down on fan fiction mm. as, oh, this is, like, some sort of people who have lost the, a connection between reality and... Yeah,
2: and, and there's a lot of interesting... I did a lot of, um like, I wrote quite a lot about fandom when I was at uni because I did mm. uh, my degree in writing and cultural studies, and there's a lot of stuff about the fact that the people who produce stuff in fan spaces are often people who, for whatever reason, are excluded from, like, legitimate creating. Mm. Yeah. So especially, like, young women. yeah So they're not allowed to produce stuff in those legitimate spaces and mm-hmm. so they find these spaces and they create them themselves totally yeah and that's like a gateway for them to like practice and, and mm. it's often about writing or it's about making art or whatever yeah and they have these communities that support them and they practice and they grow and yeah. often they then go off to produce i don't know, like legitimate content whatever yeah. that means the the context no of such thing yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly the yeah.
0: context of that of where this creating and sharing is happening is so important to it because like the amount of times I've seen like comedy events where people read fan fiction yeah. and laugh at it or like you know I've seen interviews with 1D where you know radio show hosts will get two members of the band together and force them to read aloud fan fiction that's been written about them falling in love and it's like it's such a it's such an insult to the people who like see something in them that brings something out in themselves to create a work and you're right like it's it's the artistry of it is like something that is often really disregarded. But, like, there's really bad fan fiction, but there's also really, really well-written great stuff that, you know, I've seen a few 1D writers who have, like, taken their work off the, like, fan fiction spaces, changed the character names from, like, Harry Styles and Louis Tomlinson to, you know, whatever other male names, and then their books are, like, selling, like, crazy on Amazon. Yeah. Like, these stories are, like, you know, kind of these universal narrative is really well written it just so happens that the characters already existed as these little beautiful idols
1: I think that's so like I don't know makes me smile that there can be (laughs) like so many ways in which I think I don't know, I take everything back to the patriarchy that is to blame to everything, but so many ways in which, like, people are excluded yeah. from um, spaces or excluded from, like, their um, opinions or their views being treated as validated that then they can use, I guess, platforms such as fan fiction or, like, online communities to kind of be like, well, if I'm not going to get that recognition or representation out, like – by the outside, then I mm. can find that in my mm. own community or in my own writing. Mm. I think it's really cool. Alex, what was the reaction to that piece like after it went up on Junkie? Um,
2: it's really funny because it was actually – I, to a degree I don't know. There's a degree to which and I really actively had to switch off from this piece yeah. and it was one of the first things that – and it's funny because it's like – the two things that I wrote last year that got the biggest reaction, one of them was about MasterChef uh, and how MasterChef is bad and <laughs> the second one was about Harry Potter. And it was interesting when I talked to Sinead, um at Junkie who edited this afterwards and she was like, I was so nervous about this piece going up. yeah." Um, and I just had to not read the comments and not um, engage with any of the discussion around the piece because it was just really intense Mm. yeah and it's also Um,
0: personal like yeah it's like your experience with this fandom as much as it is about this film
2: yeah and it was like the because I often write about things that you know that are quite niche and so like the f- when this article got tweeted, the first two tweets were un- underneath were basically like, you're terrible and you should quit. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and
1: fun. I was like,
2: that was when I was like, you know what? Like maybe I'll just let this be out in the world. The and t- joys and of writing people. about
0: beloved cultural products. I know.
2: And it's just, and it, to a degree, that was kind of why I wanted to write this piece because it was like, we can't just... Like, it's 2017, we can't engage with this work uncritically anymore. Like totally. it's, it's okay if it was, like, in the past and it's everyone's childhoods, whatever, but they're pulling it back into the present and they're making new stuff. Yeah. And if they're going to do that, they have to engage with it critically. Totally.
0: And they're also not, they're not ignorant of the dialogues that have been no. going on. Like, they're, they're so obviously aware of what, what fans are doing with this material and then just r- refusing to, like, engage with it.
2: Yeah, Yeah. and so I just sort of talked to people I knew about it and that response was really... That was really positive. Yeah. But it was also an interesting article, an interesting exercise in doing that and
1: um, making those choices. Yeah. Um, Have you ever written any fan fiction yourself?
2: I have, but I've never published it. Interestingly, there's like... I have a couple of um, just deep hidden fan fictions, Um, but not in a big way. Yeah. Um, I used to... I read a lot, and I did use like engage with the fan fiction quite actively. Like there was, I was one particular fic that was so well written, and then I got deeply, deeply obsessed with. Mm. Was so it the, Harry Potter? It was Harry Potter, and I specifically used to read Harry Potter. I used to read Marauder's fan fiction, which yeah. is like mm-hmm. Harry's parents and their friends. Yeah, and this was like like novel length fic. It yeah. was enormous, and it went on for sort of this. I was really into it during the period between the sixth and seventh books coming yeah, out. Yeah, And it went to the point where when the seventh book came out, I was almost disappointed in some bits of it because mm. I was. I think like, everyone was disappointed. I mean, yeah. The seventh book. Some of I, it was like, "What is? What? Why did? Is this is this real? Am I reading fan yeah. fiction right now?" Um, when you
0: when you feel like the fans and you understand the work better than yeah. its creators did, that's how I think a lot of One D fans feel felt about their team who managed them and like kind of like created these narratives. For the fans who were just kind of like, "Mm, like I get it, but we're gonna do this other thing, like that makes us feel better about this, yeah. Yeah. Like the novel length thing, like we, I can't, I can count on one hand the number of books I've read in the last few years, but like I've lost count of the number of like hundred thousand word fan fictions that I've stayed up till one a.m. literally crying, my eyes, or One Direction. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. I don't think I, because I think because I've written quite a lot about fandom only in the context of 1D. And I think a lot of times people want to talk to me about um, or like react to it by being like, You're a professional fan. What other things are you a fan of? And I'm like, no, but 1D like yeah. is my thing that like makes me feel something that I care enough to invest all this time. And you in. can't just
2: like do it everywhere. I can't just like, be I like think... I'm a
0: fan of things. What new thing will I like? I
2: <laughs> yeah. think you only really have the capacity for so many fandoms, at least at a time. Absolutely. But you at a time. have a I few. Alex. I have a few. Can I you tell us a... for
1: a lot of things as well? Yeah. Yeah. But I have short. Short term,
0: same. Fandom. I have very like fleeting obsessions with things. Yeah, but Alex, you have been a fan of a few different things. Yes. Do you want to talk about your Doctor Who? My brief foray fame?
2: Into, into fan Tumblr. Because if you're ready um, to admit it,
0: yeah, or not admit it. There's it's no, not, it, there's no admission there's of no shame anything. <laughs> but if you're ready to like yeah. discuss with the world, please use this platform to we do so.
2: This platform. So I, I, I love Doctor Who, and yeah. Doctor Who is something that I love. Um, I I got up early I had to get up especially early this morning to watch Doctor Who before I came here Uh Um, it was important so (laughs) just get in the right mindset for this chat yeah exactly Um, I love Doctor Who
1: and have you loved all the
2: Doctors? yes so I actually started watching Doctor Who for the for the 40th anniversary the ABC started playing the old Doctor Who yeah yeah and so I was like deep into that when they Mm. announced the new season yeah so um, I have watched a lot and I don't think there's anything wrong with jumping in actually the, the season that's currently airing is a really good jumping in Is it designed
0: to kind of... Yeah, they always...
2: Like, every couple of seasons, they'll have one that is... You can kind of get back into Mm -hmm. it and to try to bring new people in. Um, But there was a period when it was... When I started uni, actually. So I'd, like, just moved to a new place. I didn't have that many friends. And I got very deep into Tumblr. And I um, started a Tumblr about Matt Smith, who at the time was playing the Doctor, Mm -hmm. has really great socks. And... Like he just always. His fashion
1: was kind of like this thing oh. there.
2: Yeah, like,
0: he was such a thing. He
2: was such he a was thing. He was such a thing. And there was actually, so I kind of, my Tumblr, which was specifically about his socks, um, <laughs> I, we, I was this. kind of like the little sister Tumblr of a bigger Tumblr that was called Fuck yeah, Matt Smith's Wardrobe. Oh. And it was kind of about, there was Matt Smith, Arthur Dubble, and Karen Gillen who were kind of on Doctor Who. And this yeah. was in the very early days of hipster when like uh-huh. triangles were still a thing. If anyone remembers that period of hipster, no, triangles were, very, were a thing. Like this as a like geometric a... shape Yeah, that as you a wear. geometric oh, shape. Yeah, like I there are oh, definitely... Okay. I thought there was you like were doing a, a symbol with your hands. I we was so like, the, what is it? Um, yeah, diamonds in the sky. Kind of. Weird <laughs> you were doing the <laughs> Col- illuminati, illuminati symbol. symbol? <laughs> yeah. So people
1: were like... People, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who deep have, dive
0: into Doctor Who Illuminati theory.
1: I seriously, you put up your hands, and I was like, "Hang on, is this a moment where like I'm going to be led into some sort of Illuminati circle?" But it was like, okay, so the, so
2: and so Matt Smith, Arthur Darvill, and Karen Gillan were this sort of like. Hipster Trinity, yeah, in certain Tumblr circles because they were fantastic and they used to just like go to weird cafes and wear ridiculous scarves uh-huh. and like hang out together. The dream. It was it was wonderful. Um, and so for this very brief period of my life, I became the global authority on Matt Smith's socks. Amazing. How does one attain that? I'm so honoured that you are here. <laughs> yeah. I, well, like, I was, it's was just this weird thing where, like, I was the only person running a Tumblr about it. And so whenever there were new photos, people would send them to me oh. and ask, be like, what do you think of these?
0: Oh, my God. Um,
2: And I would have to be like, well, like, he wore these ones here <laughs> or these ones are definitely new or, like, this is what he's doing. We um, need to link this Tumblr.
1: We it do. It still exists.
0: It's, yeah. it's, it's
2: still out there. I haven't updated it in a very long time. I think
0: also we just found the episode of uh, the title of this episode, The Global Authority on Matt Smith Socks. <laughs>
2: um, and it was such a, it was a weird thing because it was both a beautiful time in my life in that I was part of this weird community. Yeah. And like Josie, who ran Matt Smith's wardrobe, uh, there was times when I sort of felt like we were in this weird thing together. Yeah. And I, I don't know her. Like I, she's one of those people that's kind of disappeared to the my internet's past. Yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, it was kind of lovely. But then it sort of got very weird very quickly in that I had... <laughs> There was, I, I used to get weird messages that were very sort of foot fetishy mm, I was gonna say, did people okay. like- Yeah. Um, and then someone emailed my personal email address, which wasn't linked. Like you'd have to go yeah. like, down quite a deep dive to get yeah. there, asking what hotel they were staying at. And I think the moment that I sort of decided to quit was when someone asked Matt Smith in an interview. <gasps> Whether or not he knew about this Tumblr, Oh, about my God. Songs. This
0: is like when when feminist Ryan Gosling became a thing that Ryan yeah.
2: Gosling had to talk about. Yeah. And, and he was just like, oh, that's kind of nice. But, like, people just kept sending me this video and I was like, I'm done.
1: <laughs> like, it just, it just... So in a way that, like, I've achieved what I wanted or this no, has gotten too much? No, in a way much. that it was like... I, and it was that thing where it's like, I don't want you to
2: know yeah. about it. In the know? context of Tumblr, it makes sense. Yeah, you're think, right. Like, in in the context of Tumblr, it's sort of this, it's a space. And it's, like, almost like a safe space where you can kind of, like, have these weird fandoms and, mm.
0: like...
1: And you're not doing it for Matt Smith. You're no. Doing it, yeah,
0: you're doing it for the, for you and the other people who like it are just kind of a roll-on effect of that. Yeah. You never do it for the source material to, like, it's <laughs> like comment it's, on. It's,
2: it's a bit weird. And, yeah. like, and there was also all this always weird stuff where a lot of the photos would be paparazzi photos. Mm. And I felt, like slightly ethically weird about that because it's like totally. am i perpetuating this thing yeah um,
0: oh my god i felt that so many times with 1d where i'm like i i want them to have a rest i don't want them to be handed by paparazzi but i want to look at them every minute yeah, of every like, day i need I, to know
2: what they're wearing today. yeah it's the same
0: with kim and kanye and northwest being like don't take my photo and me being like don't take our photo but i want to look at her <laughs>
1: So, Alex, uh, at Can You Not HQ, where (laughs) I've never called it Can You Not HQ, but but I I quite like it. Um, uh, We love all things pop culture and we really like to ask our guests what they're watching or reading or. Okay. What um, are you consuming? Yeah.
2: (laughs) So, one of this this is like, I was sort of thinking about thinking you might ask me this kind of question one of the things
1: oh you're so prepared You're so prepared we, but see also I feel like I'm not
2: um so this week one of my favorite shows ended and it's very weird because it's a show called Carboys okay which oh. is a it's a web series it's made by Polygon who are a video game website and they okay. make really silly video game shows mm-hmm. they're probably most famous for monster factory which okay. is brilliant yeah um but carboys was the show where basically these two guys nick robinson and griffin mcalroy um played a game called bmg.drive which yeah. they described as a vehicular body horror simulator oh my like God. they just basically crashed cars into things and it's very difficult to describe exactly what the appeal of carboys is and was but one of the things I'm so interested about what the kind of things Polygon are making is they're like, I think they're doing storytelling for the internet in a way that other people just don't, aren't mm, getting yet. Yeah. Right. In that, like, this is just this silly, fun thing that friends are doing, but, like, it had a plot and it had mm. characters and it had arcs and tension and, like... Yeah, right. Cowboys. Cowboys. Oh, man. And it ended and I'm really caught up about it because mm. they only announced it was ending, like, 24 hours before the last episode went on. Oh, off. man. And it was, like, the, tomorrow's the last one. And it was, and it, so it's just over, and it's Whoa. like every, and it's the other thing where it's like every week, like we would, it's a thing that I would look forward to, and I'm like, what do I do now? It's not there. Yeah.
1: Oh, R.I.P.
2: Carboys. R.I.P. Yeah. Carboys.
0: I never knew you.
2: I never knew. No, but they they are making really cool stuff. They're doing this weird. Okay. Did
0: dish. they end it because they're like doing different stuff?
2: I don't. I hopefully they'll make something else. And they often, you know, sort of do series. It's one of the longest running things they've had. Um, so hopefully they'll make something new. I hope so. Yeah. I'm sorry for your loss.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Brody, what are you watching or consuming apart from every known appearance of Harry
0: Styles? <laughs> okay. Harry Styles did- There's a lot right now. He was, he was the, he he did this a residency- peak, peak Harry. On the Late Late Show with James Corden this week where he was on it every night of the week, um, performing different songs from his album. So it was a lot. Um, and I- I re- live reacted on Instagram every night when I came home and watched it.
1: I, um, for a while. Also, realised
0: I don't like James Corden. <laughs> I had to fast forward through every... Like, it got to the point where he did carpool karaoke, which is all I knew of him before this. And I was like, I can't handle you. I can't <laughs> stand you. Uh, so anyway, that was fun. I just skipped forward for the Harry bits. But um, also,
1: I couldn't work out if you... Like, because I was following along on yeah. your insta stories i couldn't work out if every night you would come home and watch the same episode again because <laughs> oh, you no. we were just doing exits and i was like they were all different i was like Brody, this is a lot by the end he
0: performed a track called kiwi um which is like kind of a Rolling Stonesy hard rock track. And he wore this, like, I think it's Burberry, this plaid. I thought it was a double-breasted suit and really high-waisted pants. And then I found out it's a jumpsuit. A male romper. A male romper, but like fashion romper. He looked really And Harry Styles can wear literally anything. Anyway, that's not the thing that I wanted okay. to talk about <laughs> consuming this week. It's just the thing that I have been consuming en masse. Um, the thing I wanted to talk about is um, the song slash video for um, – the Francis and the lights song featuring chance, the rapper I'm pulling out my phone to show you that I've just had the one track on repeat all morning. Like a,
2: I a, love this a three so much. minute
0: track. It's called may I have this dance by Francis and the lights. And it's a remix featuring chance, the rapper who is just a God sent angel.
1: I cried um, when I watched it.
0: Same. And I cried, I cried on the tram on the way here listening to this is like an offshoot of um, what made you cry this week. Um, but There's this line, I'm gonna put it in here so we can hear it. I love you more than your mother, more than you love yourself. May I have this dance? And he's just has this like broken little voice and he's singing to his daughter and he's just in the video, he's doing this just kind of like nervous he's rehearsal of a dance. And then whoever this person is from France and the lights, I'm not familiar with them comes out and the shot like widens and it's gl- They're on this glowing floor in this black room and they're just in sync dancing better than I am right now. But like, he's just, the what chance gives to the culture is just, like, I'm godsend. so grateful. I'm so grateful for everything that he gives
1: to the world and um, to my life. I've also been consuming that video a lot. Yeah. Um, they're both incredible dancers. It's just amazing. Most, you, if you haven't watched it, it's the best. The best. Um, but also, um, my partner got out of hospital yesterday. And so we started binge watching second season of Master of None. Oh, my God. Where are you up to?
0: I just finished it yesterday.
1: Well, I've... Um, I like, obviously it came out like a week ago Uh and I was like, no, like Jimmy's- I couldn't
0: watch it because my credit card got hacked and I couldn't watch Netflix.
1: Oh my gosh. That's
0: a story for a different time. (laughs)
1: Um, Well, I I chose not to watch it because I was like, Jimmy and I should watch it together when he's out of hospital. And we watched four episodes Mm -hmm. yesterday and like, I can't, like, (laughs) like, it was like, um, I have a strong connection to Master of None for a lot of reasons, but also because of- Aziz's, like, South mm-hmm. Asian heritage and his so, parents in wait, it. Wait,
0: did you get to see the parents' episode? The, the, the first parents' episode. The religious episode. episode? Yeah.
1: Oh, my gosh, religion. Um, I just can't get over anything about the show, and I don't think I've processed my feelings enough, mm-hmm. but maybe we'll have a chat when I finish. Um, except for in um, the episode Religion, my favourite – there's a lot of really good dad scenes, but my favourite is when the character Mesh, who's played by Aziz's dad, um, he's, like – Uh, brother and sister-in-law are talking about uh, the basketball game that they're going to and he's like you know who's good at basketball Michael Jordan (laughs) (laughs) and and it just is this perfect scene where he's like not only does he like constantly troll his son he also trolls everyone in his life and it's so like I don't know, like, hits me in the heart because yeah. so many uncles and maybe even my dad that I know Oh, he's so character. cute.
0: What about when he takes Aziz to the hospital with him and, like sh- – oh, are you not up to that? No, I'm not up oh, to that. Oh, I thought that was the same episode. Sorry. <laughs> I'll cut no this spoilers, out. No spoilers. No spoilers. I mean, my
1: favourite thing about it, and I've talked about this in the podcast I think before, is, like, my – like, I don't think I'll ever pass a line – As the line where he was like, sorry, I got to go. Somebody shoved a cucumber up their butthole and I've got to go take it out. This
0: hospital scene is that extended because I know you love
1: that. (laughs) I can't wait. I think you've quoted that on an early episode of the podcast as well. Anyway, I'm so excited about Master of None and I want to talk a lot about it, but I don't want to in case you... Give me more spoilers.
0: I won't. I won't at all. I'm sorry. That's not a spoiler. It's I'm like cute. dad stuff. Just like more to look forward to. Just more butt stuff.
1: Yeah. And also like I think you know about this. Like I have a very deep and loving relationship with my pasta maker. And so basically I'm like the female version of like Aziz yeah, or Dev oh, at very many points. I can't really tell the character and the person apart. But yeah. um, like I'm going to make pasta tonight and then we're going to watch Master of Am God.
0: I your Eric Wareholm? Yeah. Big little bud. Big little bud. Kisses. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this week's episode to keep up to date on when we're coming back after our uh, hiatus break season break. I don't know. Um All those things. Make sure you follow Can You Not podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can follow Kamna on Twitter at Kamna M M. That's K A M N A M M, or on Instagram at Hip Hop Yogi. Um, And I'm at Brody Lancaster on both of those places. Can You Not is recorded at Triple R Studios in Melbourne with theme music by Beck Rigby and Henry Madden
2: of the (laughs) Harpoons.